And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Finally, at long last, we have gone through another NFL draft. The draft is in the books. The Chiefs have six new players selected from that draft class, plus a handful of undrafted free agents, so a bunch of new members of the Kansas City Chiefs. But these six draft picks will certainly dominate the conversation today here on Times Ours, looking back at the class. And uh, guys, I think we're going to have plenty to fill this next hour with because pretty much every single one of these guys has something really, really interesting about them, at least through through my eyes. Uh, my eyes belong to me, Joshua Briscoe, with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser, all here on uh, your favorite Chiefs podcast. I'm making that declaration for no particular reason, because what are you going to do, tell me that it's not? Anyway, Nate, how did you feel about the uh, the Chiefs draft so far, and in, in the, the process so far, and uh, where we've ended up now with six new uh, draftees? Yeah, I, I'm doing well, Josh. You stand on your comment. Uh, why would anyone disagree with you? Certainly I will not. Uh, it's, by the way, uh, I correctly predicted this in one of my many mock drafts, but I, I, I tried to tell people, hey, in the Veach era, it don't matter how many picks they got going into the draft, you're going to get six players, okay? <laughs> Guess what, kids? They got six. Hey, we got eight picks. One of them's going to be for a left tackle, which you absolutely need. I'm going to use another one to trade up because that's what I do um, in, in, in Brett Beach's voice. And uh, and you come out with six guys because uh, that front office has realized, um, you know, some teams <coughs> like to have 11 draft picks. And and you just can't have 11 new guys on the team. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, I don't know. So the Chiefs have made a – they've kind of made it a point that, like, if we draft six guys that we really like – if we have to move up, whatever. Um, if they're by and large just baseline good rookies, they'll make the team. And we'll just do that year over year over year. And I know Seth has a thought about how this class is already being perceived. Um, but I think you're right, Josh. The idea that like each one of these guys, uh, you understand why they selected the player, but you also know there's a much better understanding of where they could go within the context of the franchise at this point. It's still yeah. trying to pursue championships, but also just, Hey, we talked about this earlier, whether it's the 2017 class or, or anyone that you want to just pick out of, out of the book, it could go a number of ways y'all. And so uh, this draft class, I think is more fascinating than 2018. And it has the ability it, ha- it has the start of maybe being something what the 2019 draft class was, which was pretty good for that for that season. Um, so if they try to duplicate that with the numbers, with the type of players, it all makes sense to me just looking at it, you know, two days after the fact. 
Yeah, I think it's very interesting that I, I I bet that we'll all pretty much agree on here's what it will look like if this player has a successful career or here's what will happen if it goes wrong. And that's just a very strange place to be, but it's kind of interesting. It'll it'll make for a, a good conversation. Um, but Seth, as Nate alluded to, you gave us a little feel right before we started recording about how you feel this class is already being looked at. I have a couple other Chiefs podcasts that I really like, so <laughs> this is awkward. I gotta start letting. I set, mean, you can Nate. acknowledge them, but you just can't. You just can't dis disprove from the fact without a yeah. reasonable doubt. Yeah. In the court of public opinion, that yeah, we can't prove it. Yeah, Nate. Mm-hmm. Just as a warning for future episodes, I'm going to start going to Seth first because I feel like we're really starting to lose him <laughs> <laughs> within within three minutes of discussion. <laughs> so if I if I if I sound a little quieter and more subdued than normal, there's court going on right next to my oh, office right now, so and the last thing that I can afford is being found in contempt again. So I'm kidding. It never, it never happened the first time. Easy, easy. That, that probably wasn't an okay joke. Like people can look me up. I got to be careful. Um, no, I, I've never been found in contempt. I've watched people get found in contempt and it's hilarious every time. It's like, you're, you're out of here 30 days. You can't do that. It's like, yeah, they really can. Like if a judge finds you in direct contempt, they can ship you off for 90 days with no hearing know anything <laughs> i so found just, you in contempt on this podcast almost every episode and if i could just send you off for 90 minutes i would do that <laughs> yeah well best of luck my wife's been trying to get that done for years so <laughs> better men than you have tried briscoe or women so so the, the draft class it's kind of interesting the way this one's being perceived right out of the gate um i think as far as i can tell it's the most positive immediate reaction we've seen to a draft class under Brett Veach. Now, does that mean anything? I have no idea. You know, everyone was like, Rashad Fenton, Michael Dana, you know, like, mm-hmm. Legereus Sneed. Like, and these are the players that worked out really well. Um, but the the reception has been, uh, there's, there's, the reception to the first round pick being traded has been largely positive for the most part. Um depending on who you ask. <laughs> uh, but at least the player they got, it's been very positive. And then every player that they've taken, like you said, you can see the plan there mm-hmm. for the most part. And it's been largely, they got pretty good value. They, you know, that's the term that gets thrown around right now. Mm-hmm. And just something to keep in mind, because a lot of people are talking about post ad hot draft analysis. All we can do to analyze a draft is the same stuff we were doing before the draft occurred. And so, yes, it's a guess just like pre-draft analysis is. So we'll just do the best we can based on what we think of the players now. And so please forgive us for that. But you can see a plan with every one of these picks Mm -hmm. and you can see a direction that they're trying to go. And I think it addresses the team's general needs like now and in the future in a pretty nice way. Like I'm impressed with how they did. Yeah. So I'm going to give you guys my sort of like very big picture take and then and then we can dig into the individuals because I think what you just said there is really interesting, Seth. My my feel at this point is I think I think I actually feel pretty similarly from this year to last year's draft class with a little bit less venom because the first pick wasn't a personal <laughs> attack on my livelihood um, like last year's was. <laughs> but but I think for, for both of the two classes, what I would say they have in common is I'm pretty on board with the entire class and I'm a little bit underwhelmed by the very first pick, which Mm. is sort of a weird place to end up in. And that's, I'm obviously, you know, tipping my hand here, 
on on Nick Bolton. But let's let's do this. Let, let's start there. So the Chiefs, obviously, with their first pick, it was the pick they got back from the Ravens in the Orlando Brown Jr. trade. They get 58 overall, so they have 58 and 63, picking very closely to each other. Mm-hmm. Their first selection is Nick Bolton, the linebacker out of Mizzou. Nate, why don't you tell us why you think the Chiefs made that pick? And then, Seth, you've already got a film review up on Nick Bolton and the Chiefs of the North newsletter. You can take it from there about what you think the Chiefs are getting in that player. So, um, after night one, we at The Athletic had every uh, reporter covering their team to say, hey, who are the people that uh, your team should and are probably are going to try to target in rounds two and three? Obviously, the Chiefs didn't have a third-round pick, but I sort of gave some options. But what I came in, in the second round was, you know, <laughs> Nick Bolton was included because I, I had heard things, kids, uh, that <laughs> linebacker had become the – uh, increasing priority. I'm trying to figure out how to best phrase this. Mm-hmm. So after the Orlando Brown trade, you go through the board, you see where your picks are. Uh, as I accurately reported, uh, they weren't going to move back up into the first round. Clark Hunt was like, hey, 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 stay, stay where we are. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being the, the case, it's like, okay, well, what is the team, uh, how are they rethinking this draft now knowing that they don't have pick 31 and they don't have to worry about tackle. Well, linebacker had become uh, a a real sort of galvanizing position in the entire front office. And so I gave people two clues, (laughs) one of which was uh, linebackers really important. This is probably who they're going to target in the, in the second round mentioned Nick Bolton. And then like with about five picks to go, I was like, Hey kids, um, Start start imagining Nick Bolton in a Chiefs uniform. Now, I gave some other options on Twitter, but Nick Bolton was the first guy I put out there. And then guess who the pick was? Um, I, I tend to understand your viewpoint, Josh, about is it a big need? Like, does it, does it warrant the pick? And so here's how I'm going to hedge it, okay? Because this is what I wrote. Um... I think after free agency, okay, this is a exact written sentence I had wrote in March. Quote, with other positions in need of immediate help, left tackle, receiver, pass rusher, the Chiefs shouldn't select a linebacker with one of their top draft picks. <sighs> End quote. Well, kids, that is not what happened. Now, I explain it in the uh, updated roster projection, uh, which you should look at because it now has 88 players to to sort of dive into. But I completely understand your thought process, Josh, because I wrote that sentence with full confidence uh, like six weeks ago. Um, Guys... I need to see Nick Bolton on the field. I, I, I keep, he is the one draft pick where I don't have a overarching opinion on because mm. I hear too many people say great pick, amazing value. People didn't prioritize linebacker. They got one of the best ones. It makes perfect sense. Clearly they, they, they had the chance and the due diligence to do their homework on who Nick is. And he checks out in just about every box, which is what I wrote about. Um, on Saturday, kids, the SEC is not the NFL. I just, I need to see it. And particularly at the linebacker position, for whatever reason, in recent Chiefs history, it's kind of been one of the hardest positions to learn on the 
like on on the jump. So mm-hmm. I just I, I I need to see it, and I don't really have an opinion on Nick Bolton other than based on most draft analysts, scouts, evaluators, they feel like he is a safe pick, um, and I completely understand why. But sometimes safe picks don't work out uh, as quickly as you would hope, particularly in their rookie seasons. So, Seth, what do you make of it? Again, the film review already up on the Chief in the North newsletter right now. Uh, uh, you can go to mnchiefsfan.substack.com to go read it. But what did you think as you looked through the, the film there? You know, it's interesting hearing the journey Nate went through on uh, <laughs> on, on grabbing a, a linebacker. It is, it's complicated. So the film review alone, like if someone were to say, hey, watch this guy play football. Tell me what you think. I'd be like, I like that dude. Looks mm-hmm. like a good linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, he jumps out when you watch them play. It's it's noticeable. And it doesn't matter whether they're playing, you know, Alabama or LSU or Georgia. I mean, he, he played good teams. And he jumps out. Like he, it's kind of funny. Like, But if someone were to, you know, say to me, hey. After watching this guy play, how do you think he'll test athletically? Mm. What I would have said is, yeah, definitely above average athlete. Yeah. And then his testing scores were below average. And it's a fascinating thing when when the film and the numbers don't really quite line up in terms of, you know, and, and everyone can say all the things, right? You know, guys don't play in shorts. Um, some guys No, they do run. not, Seth. They do <laughs> not play in shorts. They got helmets, pads. Hands in yep. the dirt. <laughs> and, and some and some guys just play faster in 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 helmets and pads. Instinctual. It, it, there's just there's something to it. There's some guys just play faster. They they process things a little faster, whatever it is. And so that was the first thing that surprised me because it is like, you know, it, it was impossible to not hear right after the pick, oh, he's a bad athlete. And I was like, oh man. And then I watched him and I was like, huh, well, that's not showing up. Mm. which is weird, right? It's one of those things, like if you see it about a left tackle, his arms are really short. And then you watch the film and it's like, man, he never loses to bull rushers or long arms. Like what? This is weird. So what he shows on film, I'm going to make a, a player comp here. Those who haven't read it, you can find it at the Chief of North or because Josh is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. <laughs> we'll get you to a, to a discount on it. There's, you might be thinking, did Seth make a mistake there? No, there's bit.ly slash Seth hates money. But then to get straight to the discount, it's bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. Yeah, to get straight to the discount, which is hilarious. Anyway, what what's it, the player comp I would make for him if, and I think this is what the Chiefs see in based on everything he does well. And I'm going to say the name and then I'm going to do a little bit and then, I'm, then we'll react to the name that I say. The player comp would be Anthony Hitchens. And the reason for that is he's, he's very instinctual. He knows where the play is going. Um, he's very good downhill. He, um, he he arrives he arrives fast hits hard um, definitely at his best going downhill. What I would also say is he shows a little bit of burst going side to side as well. He tracks the ball very quickly. He looks it's tough to say because his coverage snaps he wasn't asked to do a whole lot, but he looks fairly comfortable. He looks like he has some lateral agility to him. He doesn't jump out with athleticism the way like Willie Gay does when you watched him in college or in the pros, frankly. Like, because we've seen that with Gay, right? Even when he's on the field with pros, you're like, holy crap, that guy can run. 
Um, with Bolton, if you were to just watch his games, you would see a guy who looks like an above average athlete, hits hard, wraps up well, mm-hmm. um, looks comfortable moving around, is always, I mean, he calls out everything on that defense. I mean, he is, he's, you know, the quarterback of the defense, all that stuff. And that's not remotely an exaggeration. And so the, the comparison I would make to him as a player would be Anthony Hitchens with a little more burst and a little more lateral agility. Now, the issue is, as Nate alluded to, is that extra burst and lateral agility going to show up in the pros the same way it did against SEC competition? And the answer to that is, I don't know. And so he's at once a safe and risky pick, and it's fascinating to me. One thing I'll mention here on Hitchens also is that they could cut him after 2022 and free up eight and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. At this point, if, unless Nick Bolton looks like a mess this year, mm-hmm. I would have to think that's a borderline sure thing. Um, Veach even mentioned after in, in whatever press, I think he talked at the end of day two. Yeah, it was um, in, yeah. He talked about like, yeah, you know, and if Hitch goes down, it's like that was borderline Kyle Shanahan. We could all be dead by Sunday stuff. I'm like, well, you know, if Anthony Hitchens gets raptured, then Nick Bolton could step in. Like, are we sure, Brett? Right. Uh, And so you can interpret that two ways, right, Josh? You can interpret that as, well, when Anthony Hitchens goes down, that means if he has A, in case of injury, because like Mm -hmm. the guy up last year was Ben Neiman, and people tend to forget this. Um, Anthony Hitchens, I don't know if he, he did not play against the Atlanta Falcons because of COVID related issues. And then Ben Neiman had a hamstring strain and then they was out here with Darius Harris for the second half. So that, that is the, that is the A portion of, of, of Brett V's quote. The B portion is if, if Anthony Hitchens goes down in 2022, like down off the roster. The, the thing there that is a little bit, a little confusing maybe for me is that one, they definitely needed to add linebacker depth. We like, we talked about it. I, it, yeah. any, basically any pick outside of the second, maybe third round, I would have been totally fine with it, but the exact, I, I literally would have rather, <laughs> this is going to be so rude though. <laughs> I would have rather them taken, uh, Ben Neiman's brother, whenever he went, then I, although I think he went a little earlier than I was expecting, but like, or a player like that, than to take a player like Anthony Hitchens being Nick Bolton, with their first selection. It's sort of confusing to me. Um, One other specific thing you mentioned, Seth, and and I want to also understand as much as we can what you think Bolton's role can be. Sure. Because he's not Ben Neiman. He's not even Willie Gay. You're mentioning that he's Anthony Hitchens. Although Anthony Hitchens has at least been asked to be in coverage more often. Yes. But if if you would have asked me to, like, build the type of linebacker I would have been okay with him taking with, with a pick like this, it would have been as the uh, the Ben Neiman sort of like prototype slash replacement, and it doesn't seem like that's what's going to happen here, which is a, a bit confusing. Right. That, that 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 does feel weird. Like you would expect to see like more of like a pure coverage backer. And that's where I think my assumption moving forward with who I thought they would grab at line was from the fact that the team likes Hitchens better than the fan base does. Mm-hmm. And so I just assumed they were just going to keep him around. Yeah, me too. Um, I am no longer convinced of that at all. Now, I know Veach said that he thinks that uh, that Bolton can play well. Um, and and I think he does. He looks, like I said, this is just based on college. We'll see if it translates. He looks more comfortable moving laterally than Hitchens does. Mm. And that's huge in the ability to, to cover. He also has a little more burst. So if he's coming from that will in pursuit, I could see it. 
I really can. But this doesn't look like a long-term, like, third linebacker guy. Because like you said, you'd expect a guy who was more pure a coverage dude. And you wouldn't really worry about that downhill ability quite as much. What he looks like to me is a guy who can play Will, help the run defense a little this year, help in some other areas this year, you know, in terms of ensuring some physicality. I think he can add some stuff to the table this year. But what I think he is, is he is the, hey, if we're going to have an average to above average Mike linebacker who we know can run the entire defense, yep. be strong in, in, in run defense and adequate in pass defense, we want to pay that dude less than $9 million a year. Yeah, And that to me, he looks like a Hitchens replacement in a way of, and I think in their perfect world, I don't think it's just a Hitchens replacement. I think it's a Hitchens upgrade. I think Hitchens, they paid him basically star money at the time Yeah, for inside linebacker. And he's been okay, not quite as good as they would have liked. And I think his physical limitations have been a little more than they thought. And with Bolton, they seem to think that what they see on film is what he'll be physically, not what the shorts number showed up. And that's that's why I mean by safe and risky at the same time. If you were to ask me, you know, just in a vacuum, hey, do you think this dude will be a good NFL linebacker? I'd say, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to be a, a, an above average NFL linebacker. But I, I, will he be more than what Hitchens is? I don't know. And that's where it gets a little complicated. But I think that's the long-term plan is this is a, you could even call it a cap-related move in a, hey, we want to invest our resources here. And while at the same time upgrading at the position. The one last question that I would throw out there as uh, a thought experiment. Nothing is certain. It's a draft. It's a crapshoot. We're throwing darts. I get it. But one thing is whenever I was looking there at pick 58, I was going, holy bleep. They've got a couple options at receiver. Yeah. Brown is right there. Yeah. They can't not take him, right? <laughs> and and you and you mentioned in the article you mentioned Damian Wilson and you said you know they're, they're not they're not going to have uh, the same roles but I think about him as a guy that just went and got a million or two bucks and um and and could have played I think a replacement level sort of linebacker position for a very specific role that's a little limited you don't want him in coverage and all that stuff the thing that I I cannot rip myself away from this from this question is would you rather have Diami Brown and Damian Wilson or have uh, Nick Bolton and Demarcus Robinson. And I would rather, if I, I mean, if I'm making the pick now, I would rather have the former. I, again, Wilson was obviously signed well before the draft, but I would rather make it work this way, take your shot at a, a linebacker for a replacement in the future in a later round. And I, I just don't know, even if Nick Bolton like hits his ceiling, he's not Derek Johnson. Like I, I just, I don't know, I don't know how much he can in, end up overall raising the tide of the defense. There's a real value in not having a nightmare in that position, but I don't know, even if he's a slight upgrade over Anthony Hitchens, I don't know how much the defense sees that as a whole. I, I want to agree. I'm also willing, I'm, I'm willing to be the hater on this one. Like that's I, okay. I, I, I want to agree with you, but I think, and, and Brett Veach mentioned this today, if there was any gray area, and again, we don't know this, but if there was any gray area in terms of background, personality, or m- most important medical mm. issues, the Chiefs went with the safer option. So you may look back on it three years from now and be like, man, they really like, ugh. But I, again, I understand it. They went with the safe player that they had known for multiple years 
who they had built a pretty good rapport with, who they think can play because, you know, while he may not be an athletic freak, he's good at everything else. Last year, I would have taken T. Higgins or Michael Pittman. This year, I would have taken Terrace Marshall or Deami Brown. Just so you guys know, it's just locked in. It's just I'm just telling you that's what I would. If, if there's a pick that I don't love, you can just take the next available receiver and know that that's what I would have done. I'm not saying that would have been smart. It's just me being intellectually honest there. So you can't you can't tell me I'm moving the goalposts later on. No, um, it's it, it, a lot's going to depend on, and I know we're going to talk about it more, is how Powell turns out, which, I mean, that's a lot to put on a six-round pick. Right, yeah. But that's Fifth, where, yeah. like, it's one of those things where, you know, so say, for example, like last year, and I, I'm not trying to start any kind of ruckus here reaching on a running back in the first round when you could have drafted a cornerback hurts a little less when you hit on that cornerback in the fourth round sure because the opportunity cost changes a little but i mean and and the argument to that would be i mean counting on that is silly no, but you're but, right, though. I mean, that's still true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, that's where that's where, you know, you pretend if you pretend Sneed was the first round pick and CEH was a fourth round pick, you're like, man, they got a steal in the fourth round. Right. Yeah. You know, and so whereas here, if Powell, let's say Powell becomes an adequate receiver for the Chiefs, you know, you know, maybe, you know, in those those areas where they struggle a little bit more, those intermediate zones, then it becomes a little bit less problematic but it still depends on how Bolton himself turns out yeah but I I I am with you on a receiver that's what I would have done it'll be interesting we'll have plenty of time to talk about him I also I know we spent the most time there because I think honestly I think Bolton is the most like questionable pick I think we all we all probably agree on that in terms of the value because I think we're going to have mostly positive things to say about at least the next guys so the second pick that they made in the draft also in the second round 63 overall Creed Humphrey center out of Oklahoma Nate you thought what when you saw that pick come down perfect pick Josh let me tell you a little bit about this guy. Strong body, wide body, can move. Has been in the is been in the league for quite a bit in terms of productivity. Uh, you know, was snapping the ball to some pretty good quarterbacks. Obviously, you got Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. You got Kyler Murray in Arizona. No questions of concern about background, about medical stuff. Guy's a warrior. I think he's the best draft pick. I slotted him at 63 to the Chiefs in Mach 2.0. He goes 63 to the Chiefs. I look like a genius. He's going to be an all-pro. Mitch Moore souped up on steroids. Creed <laughs> Humphreys, best draft pick of 2021. Seth, quick follow-up question to you. Have you ever imagined Nate Taylor with Mel Kuyper's hair? Because halfway through that impression, I did, and it's awesome. I, you know, the 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 pictures that I keep on my nightstand are none of your business, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I, here's the deal. I'm, I'm through three or four games of Creed Humphrey. I'm going to be writing on him later today, hopefully getting it out Monday. I'm going to be working till like 10 tonight. My wife's going to kill me. But it's all for you. Dear listener and dear subscriber, Creed Humphrey can play. Like, it's kind of interesting. One of the things someone said to me right after he was drafted was, I don't know if he's got good play strength. Like, he might get bull rushed. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, well, that's worth thinking about. Because he is, I mean, wasn't he, like, didn't he get tested by Math Bomb as, like, like the most athletic center in history or something crazy like that? I think he might have ended up being a perfect 10. I'll go double, I'll yeah. double check that. He's a 10. So, yeah, you do that. You know I'm going to wax eloquent for a bit. And so... I mean, look, also on a side note, Mitch Moore souped up on steroids is the perfect center. Like, that's like, you you just don't beat that. So, 
You want me to sneak What's, it in real quick here? Sneak it in. It, his whole his whole relative athletic score chart. It's all green except for his weight, which is a little lower. Um, but yeah, he's got a, a straight ten at the very top. Hard, it's hard to get around a square body who knows how to use his <laughs> hands, Jim. <laughs> well, he. I mean, so there, there's a lot going on here. I mean, he's he's a great athlete, and sometimes I feel like guys who are great athletes get judged a little bit differently. Like we're looking for weakness from them mm. because that's the way it goes, right? Mm. Like it's like, oh, well, you know, this guy's obviously weak because, you know, he's super athletic because that's what we're, we're normally used to having to trade out. But I'm not sure you have to with him because I he doesn't play like he's barely above 300. And maybe that's he's got a wrestling background and all that. Mm-hmm. He really, the, the first game I watched was him playing against Quinn and Williams in 2018 and look did Quinn and Williams have one snap where he just it did some mean things to him yes <laughs> but it was just one throughout the course of the entire game I gotta tell you Quinn and Williams does that more times to pro centers and guards every game more than one time and to, and so like and he wasn't really able to bull rush him back individually. And if Quentin Williams can't do it to you, at least consistently, I'm pretty comfortable. He he's a technician. He does everything right. He's a great athlete. There's just there's a lot. I'm gonna kind of review him the same way that I was reviewing the tackles, looking at you know upper body, lower body strength, hand fighting, lateral agility, awareness. He has it's actually up on my Twitter right now. If you want to take a look, it, he had a great help block. Where he, he snaps the ball and he's looking around and I mean someone is about to lose like six yards behind him and go into the quarterback's lap and he somehow senses it gets there helps with the block I think he's gonna help a ton and if I were Austin Blythe I'd be sweating a little bit mm. just a little bit because it's hard to start as a rookie it's hard to start as a rookie for Andy Reid but I mean. You know, I remember when they took Mitch Morse in the second round. Mitch Morse started right away. Yes, he did. And he really does have some similar play attributes to Morse in terms of his his base, his footwork. Um, except I would say he's got a little bit more girth to him. And so I like this pick a lot. Um, I was thrilled. I remember we were talking before, and I said, "Man, let's complete the offensive line rehaul. Let's just let, let's just go all in." And that feels like kind of what they did. And I know we're going to talk about another guy soon later, but like their offensive line situation is very different now than yeah. it was two months ago. Nate, he's going to start, right? That's what I have him. Uh, I have him slotted in as a starter in my initial roster projections. Uh, you know, sure, Austin Blythe will start with the lead because he's the NFL player with with experience. Um, he's on a one-year deal, so he has every motivation um, necessary to, to compete for that spot. But, look, I don't think you take this player, given everything I've heard, how the team feels about him, even the glowing comments from Brett Veach, um, they're going to give him a chance to really earn that job, I believe. And so... Um, I would I would give Austin Blythe the lead for now, but but that that may that may change in August, and and it, and I won't be surprised. Again, I when when the pick happened, I was like, this is too perfect. It's too on the nose. Like, all right, start planning for the second contract in twenty twenty five. You know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I I think it makes, I'm not going to take a whole bunch of time on this one because I think it makes a ton of sense. The one thing, if I was going to, I believe everything I said about Nick Bolton. My devil's advocate thing on Creed Humphrey is two very little things, which is just that they have spent a ton overhauling the offensive line. And I saw I saw one one person of some of some accord um, just have that as sort of a, a wide concern, which I'm not sure makes a ton of sense unless you have a, a follow up concern. But I saw someone else say, I just hope that doesn't create more depth problems elsewhere because they've invested so much there. But man, I. I think Creed Humphrey is going to keep them from having problems in the middle of that offensive line for the next four years at least. So uh, I, I think it's okay to bring that up as maybe the the one little negative you can find is it's more offensive line investment. But I just it, it's very hard for me to envision a world in which he's not starting at, at the very least in 2022, 2023, and 2024. Like it just seems right. it seems mm-hmm. like you got it seems like you got at least a three year starting center there. Probably four years, and maybe who knows? Maybe ten. But I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's move on to one that has a, a little bit of intrigue around some of his circumstances. Uh, in the fourth round, they didn't have a third round pick. Went to Baltimore in the fourth round, pick one forty four. They take their first edge rusher. I would have lost the bet on the over under of when they were going to take an edge rusher, um, but they finally take Joshua Kando out of Florida State. Hey, Super hey highly. Yes. Can I do something? <sighs> Are you wondering? Are you wondering if 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 he can improve on his college film? <laughs> he can, though. I saw it. I saw it. 
If it wasn't going to ruin the whole podcast, if it wasn't going to ruin Kent's entire day, shout out to Kent for producing this garbage podcast today, I would log (laughs) off of the Zoom for effect. I would leave. You would never see or hear from me again. I'm so sorry that I'm not sorry. You're not sorry at all. I wish I was sorry. I wish I was better. I do. I'm just not, though. Do you think, (laughs) but wait, Josh, do you think I can do better? I can, don't. Okay, I'm so sorry I interrupted to do that. That's I'm fine. Sorry. You know, listen, oh. if if I get cut off for a pun a couple times in it, I've got I've got two interruptions for puns planned for each episode. If you get into three, you start dipping into your future reservoir, but you get to <sighs> fair. That's fair. Uh, uh, I'll I'll be careful. But he was super super highly recruited out of uh out of high school. I believe that, that the two guys ranked ahead of him in his class were two guys you may have heard of. Uh Jalen Phillips, who went higher in this year's draft, would have been a top ten pick if it wasn't for a whole series of medical issues. And uh Chase Young who you may remember as the second overall pick in last year's draft and an absolute menace of a super a superhero borderline human being in Washington. Um, he obviously did not have all of that production at Florida State. He had a, an injury that Brett Veach talked about a little bit earlier today. But it, this is one of those gambles. I'll, I'll tip my hand here now. If you're going to take a guy like this, Take him at 144. He, he's not the player. Yep. He, he's, he's not an actual comparison to either Breland Speaks or Tano Passano, but their names keep coming up because they were guys. They were a defensive end, maybe, I guess. T- Tano was a defensive end. Um, yeah. Breland Speaks was a defensive lineman. But, but those guys were both like uh, edge prospects that had some work to do. But mm-hmm. Tano just like wasn't a full football player. And Breland Speaks, I'm still not 100% sure what happened there. Kando has all of the tools. It just hasn't gotten fully put together again really since since his high school tape. And also, there's a huge difference in taking that shot at the end of the fourth yes. round as opposed to in the second round or, God forbid, moving up. In the Move it round. up! <laughs> yes. Oh, I just kept waiting in the third round. I'm like, when they gonna do it? When they gonna do it? <laughs> and they didn't. And they didn't. And I'm so proud of you, Brett. Brett, if you're listening, I'm so proud of you. He talked today about wanting to pick with volume and that they knew they could move up higher for Noah Gray if they uh, just gave up a pick. And they didn't give up a pick. They just moved down later in the sixth to move up in the fifth. I love that for you, Brett mm-hmm. Veach. Yeah. Oh, he's, so, he's becoming too powerful. <laughs> it, it was it was a real joy to be like, wait, that's the last of the third round picks? They, they, they really didn't do anything. They didn't uh, do it. Uh, so... I'm going to tell people right now, um, if this doesn't work, sure, it's on Brett Veach's record. But I feel like this pick, from my understanding, is a lot to do with Brendan Daly, the defensive line assistant, and Steve Spagnuolo. Because Brett Veach today was like, this is a pro, like, he literally came out of the Steve Spagnuolo defensive end machine, and I gave him the player he wanted. (laughs) So... Um, I'm going to spell something right now, kids. Um, Bob Sutton looked at Breland Speaks and was like, I don't know, dog. <laughs> so it's different. It's already different from the from the Breland Speaks run. Tano Passanio was a little bit different just because they just saw the dude. like, And this was a phrase I think either uh, Daniel Jeremiah said or, or Lewis Riddick back in 2017. They were just like, he gets off the bus and he's a monster. Yes. Um, and... Sometimes that's just what you want. I just want to draft a player. When we get off this bus, you know we about business. Now the problem is the player never really um became much of anything past yeah. that. Uh, so it's a little different than, than Tato. 
obviously it's in the fourth round, not the second. Whoo! Um, but this really comes down to how quickly can Brendan Daly and Steve Spagnuolo get this guy up to speed so that he can be a rotational piece. I don't think in 2021, I think in 2022. You, you just sit here, you learn, you get some snaps, obviously, but, you know, we want to really rely on you in your sophomore season. If all goes well, obviously you have to stay healthy. Um, I think in a lot of ways you get an additional, you get like half a season, an additional half of a season if you play for the Chiefs as a rookie. Um, and this speaks to like most notably uh, McCole Hartman. A lot of the McCole Hartman hype train going into 2020 last year was because he really started to play well in December and January of obviously the championship run. So the ultimate hope is you get 17 games versus 16 now, of course. Um, you hope to get at least three more games because that means you're playing in the Super Bowl and you've had obviously the first round by. So it's a it's a it's one it counts as one year, but you get a larger sample size to really develop this player so that he can be a real piece in 2022. Just because I still feel like the Chiefs have uh, I still like the Chiefs have some options to maybe go get a veteran pass rusher if that's mm-hmm. their prerogative. Um, but I, I find this to be a pick where I'm not going to be fooled one way or the other. I will give credit when credit's due to Josh, uh, Brendan, and Steve if it all works thank, out. Thank you, I, mate. <laughs> I, oh, not, you meant... Yeah, okay. I'm not going to say his last name. Oh, <laughs> y'all know me. I ain't going to do Cane that. Dough. It's a, it's cane like, dough. It's like a sugar cane that you would want to make maybe a delicious pastry with. He Seminoles to cane dough. But anyway, like, I... I, I won't be fooled one way or the other. That is that is ultimately my opinion. You tell me the outcome, totally believe it. You tell me that uh, he doesn't have the closing speed, totally get that. You tell me he's got the body to really, you know, really scope into something, completely agree with it. You tell me he's got the intelligence to not only set the edge, but maybe recognize what the quarterback's doing on, on, on some quick throws, completely get it. You tell me, uh, you know, He's not going to be able to execute stunts, twist, play inside, have the versatility that the Chiefs would like out of their defense lineman. Completely understand that too. So, um, this is not a pick about Brett Veach in a lot of ways. I feel like this is a pick about the scouting department and the coaching staff agreeing on this, which informs the general manager to take a player um, at a slight gamble compared to what they've done in the past. Seth, what you got? I think that all makes sense. And as you kind of alluded to earlier, that that's something you do in the fourth round. You, you grab a guy that you say, man, this guy's got a ton of traits that we really like. And then, then you say, well, you know, he wasn't as productive for one reason or another. It's worth noting and situation does matter. I know people sometimes it seems like they think that excuses are being made for players or whatever, but situation does matter. And Florida State has been kind of a mess. Hot Yeah, it's been so bad. And so, you know, one can imagine that a guy went there with a ton of tools and didn't really get developed. And so then you ask yourself, well, what can he do? And I think the fourth round is the place to do something like that. Like you guys, they didn't take him in the second. They didn't trade up for him in the second. I know some fans would like to see more quote-unquote sure things in the fourth round, but the reality is there's no such thing as a sure thing in the fourth round or the first round, but especially the fourth round. <laughs> and so you you grab a guy at a position of need, which, you know, position of need is not, you know, 2021. And it sh- never should be. You should never take a guy unless you're picking like the top 15, like because we need that dude to start right now. 
um, with the draft because it's just so you, you got to have a backup plan here. And so it's a good pick. I haven't watched him at all. I've just seen what a few people I really respect say. I've tried to not look too much, but I know he's got the physical traits. And one thing I did see in like the one vi- video I watched, the one game I watched, he is tall. <laughs> like <laughs> I couldn't get past how tall he was. And so we'll see. He looks like he might have some good base strength, that kind of thing. But it's I think it's a shot worth taking in the fourth round, especially when you know Spagnolo likes his defensive lineman. And so you might as well, you know, pull another one in the pipeline and keep keep plugging away. He's six seven. I think I missed that somehow. He is tall. You were not. Your eyes were not lying to you. Um, let's. So since we're here, because I want to make a note of this, and I, I don't think if we save it till the end, we're going to get to it. Uh, we'll also note that the Chiefs did not take a corner at any point in this draft. Mm. Um, by the time people are hearing this. I don't know anything. This is fully a hunch. Nate, whatever noise Nate makes whenever I say this is going to determine if I'm on the right track hmm. or not. But I think by the time people are hearing this, Bashad Breland should be a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. And maybe a defensive end is maybe a little Melvin Ingram joint coming coming in hot 2021. I don't know. Uh, but right now, ooh, okay. I, got, I, think I, got, I think I got one. I got one right, one wrong. There's my guess. But so right now, as we speak, I, I, well, the it, have... it's it's one I feel pretty confident in. Other one, fifty fifty. All right, I'll take that. I'll let you expand on it here real quick. But but basically today, this afternoon, the compensatory formula stops being in play, so you can sign players after that, and it doesn't favor into the compensatory picks for or against teams. So there there should be a second little mini wave of free agency today. We would think uh, right now, as Nate mentioned earlier, Chiefs have eighty eight players on the roster. It means there's two holes in the ninety man, and there's a hole at corner, and there's a hole at edge. So um, Kendo does not mean that they should not go sign an edge, as sort of Seth was alluding to. Nate, right. you want to give us you want to give us one more sort of guttural noise about how this is going to go today? Whoo! Uh, <laughs> I man. love this bit. I love I love uh, Nate can't use words only uh, sounds. I think that's, uh, I think this is a new bit. Uh, 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 uh. You know, you know. Um, <laughs> people have told me that that Bashad is still you know still still here quite a bit. So just take that with you. Let's go. Happening, baby. He's got. There's no reason not to bring Bashad Breeland back. I would be so happy bringing him back. I mean, because defensive end is a concern um, in some senses. Though, is it more of a concern than it was last year? I don't really know. But you you bring Breeland back, and you've really you, you're pretty happy in terms of actual holes in your yep. roster. Yep. And that's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe they maybe they feel like oh you know maybe we we feel like we can get by with Charlton and Dana rotating with Jones going out there a little more often now that we got Jaron Reed maybe they feel that way I don't know you know maybe maybe they think Tershawn Wharton can do it I don't know he's he's so athletic guys but it it, it would if they grab Breland and Ingram and Ingram you know he's he's not the player he was three or four years ago but I looked at his tape last year before he got hurt and he looked. He looked like a solid starting defensive end. Mm-hmm. And so they did that. And I, it would be hard not to call this offseason an unqualified success, at least, again, on paper before the snaps start. And so I really want to do that. So I hope they do that so I can do <laughs> that. Because <laughs> I like saying positive things. It's nice. Yeah, I think I think if they bring Breland back and any veteran starting edge, everything else, at least in the scope of 2021, is going to be nitpicking from now until week one. Like, I yeah. just... 
which which we're gonna nitpick because we got to do yeah. shows, That's and we're gonna we're gonna dig into all those little things and we'll look into the future and all that stuff. Where corner might be a problem again in 2022, but it would <laughs> that would be a nice place to end up with for this year. Um, let's get the Noah Gray. The Chiefs yeah. back up. They went and got Joshua Kendo. Then in the fifth round, they moved up without giving up a pick. Now listen, hey, you know what, everybody? Hey, listen here for a second, you mother bleepers. I'm actually heated about this. You listen to me. Every single person on Twitter.com, even the people that don't care about football at all, they're going, <laughs> wow, Trey Smith fell a long way. Wow, the Chiefs got Trey Smith? That's not fair. Do you know what the Chiefs wouldn't have gotten if they would have had to have given up their entire sixth round pick to go get Noah Gray? They wouldn't have gotten Trey Smith. Brett Veach did the thing, though. He moved back in the sixth round. They still got Trey Smith in the sixth. And they went up and Incredible. got Noah Gray. Incredible. This is the value of keeping your darts, of having more darts in your little Chewbacca-style bandolier. You keep your darts even if you move back to keep them all. God bless Brett Veach for that. Um, Noah Gray, they move up and get him in the fifth. Uh, he's an undersized tight end, but is going to do a lot of different things, I imagine. Nate, what's your read, after, especially after hearing Brett Veach talk about him more today? Now, this is the one player in this entire draft class for the Chiefs that I had no idea who this was. They said, like, <laughs> Andy Reid was like Noah Gray, and I was like, huh? Like, I, did, I did a dollar. Like, what? Who? And so then he said Duke, and I was like, so we was we was scouting on Wednesdays, I see, boys. Okay. So we we just weren't there on Fridays and Saturdays. We was in the classroom on Wednesday. So here's the thing, kids. Uh, Nate Tice uh, from the Athletics NFL show, former scout, uh, love him to death. Uh, he tweeted out something that is no longer on a website called Twitter.com. But he said, essentially, this is how people view Late round draft picks, uh, just a pristine white horse on a sandy beach, gorgeous. <laughs> and then by August, they're a they're a they're a contorted pony at the local <laughs> ranch. Now yeah, listen to it. me, did he okay? That? He really did tweet that. It's no longer there. I, oh, well, I saw I it on say, Saturday. I saw the Nate. tweet, he, but he deleted it. He I deleted it because I because I, I spent like ten minutes earlier trying to find it. He he must have deleted it. A, a lot of People were like, how dare you do that to somebody? I, I don't know if the outrage, I'm assuming this, kids. I don't know if the outrage was like, man, why, why you got to hate on my man on one of the best days of his life? And I get those people. But it was a funny comment. So yeah, I, all of this is to lead me to, I didn't know a single, like, it was, I was like, man, I was really on it. I knew, like, the first whatever many picks. Then they got to Noah Gray, and I was like, I ain't never heard this dude. Then ESPN was like, don't worry, Nate. We got you, baby. We was out here grinding this tape. Come up here with this mixtape. And I was like, sold. Okay? <laughs> like, completely sold. My man was working people in these routes. Willing blocker. You read the report from Dan. Uh, completely understand everything that's going on. And he's the shiny white horse on a sandy beach, guys. I mean... I've been on this. I've been on this sandy beach hill, dying spring after spring, telling these people, y'all need another tight end. Just imagine if y'all had another tight end who was capable of doing many Travis Kelsey things. And who came out of Brett Veach's mouth today? Travis Kelsey mm -hmm. aligning himself to Noah Gray. Now, no offense, Brett Veach was like, he ain't no Travis Kelsey, but. Mm -hmm. He can kind of do some Travis Kelsey things. And guys, check out the mixtape. My man was dropping heat. 
Like, he was getting open. <laughs> I asked one of the area scouts, David Henson, shout out to him, who, you know, was just was just grinding out there because they got all the dudes from the South. Anyway, asked him, was like, hey, production kind of dipped in 2020 from 2019. What happened there? You ain't got to say it out loud, but just just wink to me. Just wink to me. And then he kind of like, through his comments, we, we understood. Do you know who Duke's quarterback was? Not for my life. If you said gun to your head right now, who is this quarterback <laughs> last that, year, I would pull the trigger for you. You'd be doomed. Sometimes you ask you sometimes you ask the area scouts questions that you that you you assume you know what the answer is. I just want I just want you to confirm it. And he was like, Hey, look, mm-hmm. great worker. You could tell he was getting open. Yep, that's all you hear. That's all you hear. Stop talking, Dave. You, we good. We good now. He didn't have a quarterback. So if you telling me this dude was out here working people without a quarterback, well, they ain't got to be the problem now. He got Patrick Mahomes. All I'm saying is I don't care what it looks like in August. I don't care what it looks like in July. Lord willing, in September, he better be that shiny white horse on that sandy beach. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you've had a chance to look much at him so far, Seth. I am. This might be the film review that I'm most excited for from yes. you because they've talked over and over about him being a uh, an H back, him having some fullback snaps. I don't know how that's going to look out for his name's not Michael Bolton, but pretty much Michael Bolton, the uh, <laughs> the fullback they signed <laughs> ten minutes ago. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to pan out, but I am. This whole pick, and also, like, Dane Brugler of The Athletic, his beast draft guy, he had Noah Gray as, like, a seventh-round-slash-priority-free-agent type of guy. But I think the logic of that is this dude is not going to line up next to Orlando Brown Jr. and, and do anything to help him. It will not matter. <laughs> he will do nothing. Um, because he's because he's six feet tall. Or six, yeah, something like that. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Uh, he's, he's six feet. That says he's six four. That's not. He's right. six four, like two forty, I think. I don't think he's six. I don't think he's. Six, <laughs> four. I want to look into that. I don't think he's six four. This is but a, he's a very noise oriented <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I've I've only watched I've I've watched the mixtape to uh to use Nate's term. <laughs> I've watched the mixtape, and the mixtape's impressive. Um. You see certain things in terms of um, like to use ridiculous terminology that can really mean anything and people like to hide behind i found, can, I found six three and six three and a half we'll give them six three and a half six, we'll three, six three and a half to you can see some some hip and ankle flexibility in his routes that's intriguing and again that's a ridiculous thing to say and like i i'm aware of that but you can see in the routes he runs you can see some quickness just some just some shake in him that mm-hmm. i'm intrigued by and so I'm excited to watch him. The thing, here's the thing with blocking tight ends. Is the most ideal thing to get a monster at both, you know, who can just, you know, you know, George Kittle, plant defensive ends, that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You line him up, man on man, you know, sure. If you can get a guy like that who's actually a good receiver, like a good receiver, that rarely happens. You know what's even better for your offense? And I'm not saying that this guy will be that guy, but in terms of like Travis Kelsey, Kelsey's a good blocker. He's not an inline going to take on a defensive end and, you know, run him over, but he'll wall him off. Right. And you get him to the second level. He can do what it takes. And you know what blocking really is? Once you weigh 240, you know, 245 and you're a pro, you just want to just get in the way. Now, now that's not going to help you against Khalil Mack, but... Any team that's lining up their tight end alone against Khalil Mack deserves what they're getting. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, 
It's like when Clark's been healthy and they line up tight ends against him. That goes really badly, and it should. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of, you know, a move tight end, that kind of stuff to where can he get out in space and execute the types of blocks the Chiefs generally ask their tight end to make? Mm-hmm. I think he can. Yeah. And if he can just do that, just out of athleticism, want to, just enough size to get her done, then the rest of it's not that big a deal. And the receiving skills matter so much more. So I'm excited to watch him. It'll be fun. But I know very little about him right now. I'm going to assume that he is... Uh, based on what Nate said that Brett Veach said, I've decided he's Travis Kelsey 0.8. Uh, he's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's Travis Kelsey like beta, maybe alpha. Like he's not he's yeah. definitely not release ready yet. Um yeah, that'll be fun. Uh I've I have shuffled through my draft day notebook here to get you a, an exact quote on Cornell Powell, the next pick. Fifth round pick, 181 overall receiver out of Clemson. Both Gray and Powell both went in the fifth, just mm-hmm. separated by a handful of picks there. Um, Powell had one excellent season last year with Clemson catching passes from Trevor Lawrence. And uh, the thing that I thought was most interesting was a, a, a quote from Ryan Nutt, the director of college scouting, who was talking on Saturday, uh, who said he could be a post-up receiver. And also he said the phrase, pick up where Sammy left off, which I thought was kind of interesting. Which I I'm think not, is very interesting, yes. He's uh, he's not, I mean, like Sammy Watkins was a top five pick because he's an alien, maybe literally. <laughs> um, but I, I, Cornell Powell may, may not be exactly that, but also if you find a picture of him from his pro day with his shirt off, you're going to feel like less of a man. This is this is fascinating because um, I need to just remind people that the Chiefs are so deep at receiver, it's ridiculous, even with losing Sammy Watkins. Um, Josh, you ready to do the exercise? Well, not if it's a literal one. Tyreek Hill's on the roster, right? Correct. So it's McCall Hardman, right? Yes, correct. So it's Demarcus Robinson, right? Let me check, yes. So it's Byron Pringle, right? He sure is. Signed that tender a week ago. So, so with that in mind, Cornell Powell is already going to have to really work himself onto the roster. Now, you would assume, because he's a draft pick, he's got a pretty good chance. Well, uh, has Marcus Kemp been on this roster before? Yeah. Has has, has Garrett Dieter been on this roster before? Technically. Uh, you think I'm going to leave Jody Fortson behind? You better not. You better not, or I'll leave this podcast behind. Antonio Callaway has gotten some yeah. quote love from Brett Veach. Yep. So I'm this is this is a player where I really want to see preseason games. And I know, I know, I know what I just said. I know. Yeah, you're right though. But I kind of want to see preseason games because um, you know, he has the route running in the short hands to give himself a real chance. Um I don't know what this year is going to be from a production standpoint if he does make the the 53-man roster, but let's see let's see how good his routes are at the NFL level. Um he needs to compete like hell on special teams and he kind of referenced that when we talked to him after getting drafted on Saturday. But I I don't mind the pick at all. Um we'll remember him clearly if who they could have had in the second round that you alluded to earlier Josh. You know, we'll, we'll, those those players will be tied together um, based on what we've discussed earlier, but I'm I'm intrigued with him because I think in a no- on on a normal NFL roster he probably has a safe job. I don't know if that's the case just because hmm. he's going to have to he's going to have to be impressive from the start if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Seth, what do you think? I, that's that's really interesting. I my my hope for him is that he's a unique enough player in that group to get an inside track because I just. 
No offense to the guys you mentioned, but I feel like we know what most of those dudes are. Correct. Um, but also, um, that's that's me buying into some post-draft uh, hype, which is exactly what the draft is for. <laughs> yeah, the post-draft hype on him has been great. That's been yeah. a lot of fun to listen to. Um, it's just kind of funny. Like, he's not a receiver that I heard anyone talking about yeah. before the draft. But then after the draft, a lot of draft Nick voices were very much like, oh, yeah, that's a great pick. And it's hard for me to not be like, if that's such a great pick, why weren't you all talking about him like before the draft? Like mm-hmm. that. Now, to be fair, getting picked in the sixth round, you know, you're like the twentieth or thirtieth receiver. End taken. of the fifth. End of the. You put some respect on Cornell Powell's name, please. <laughs> Sorry. Um, look, anyone should be honored to be drafted in the same round as Trey Smith. So, but we'll get to that. <laughs> Um, uh, by, by the way, my article, uh, title for the new Creed Humphrey thing is do the chiefs have their starting center of the present slash future? And more importantly, do I have a new large adult son? If that's that's any indication on how I feel about Creed Humphrey. Um, so anyway, um, I know that the world's very interested in my large adult sons. So with, with, (laughs) um, with the chiefs receiver position, you 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 talk about like having a certain type of receiver. They need a guy who can separate versus physical coverage mm-hmm. right? in the shallow and intermediate areas, and a guy who can who can compete with that. They know Tyreek Hill can do it, and they know Travis Kelsey can do it because he gets thrown into any conversation about the receivers. Right. Yeah. Everyone else has some skills that are valuable. Right. Like, like, you know, it's really easy. Like Demarcus Robinson belongs in the NFL and he belongs getting snaps. He's got some skills that are valuable. But Cole Hardman, same thing. It's just they they really need this one thing. And that's why I think a lot of Chiefs fans really like Byron Pringle because they see maybe he could be that guy. And I think it's a similar ilk type player because at the end of the day, as much as I like Pringle and I do, I think he's 28 at this point. Mm. He's been in the league for a minute. And this idea that he's going to suddenly break out, hey, who knows? Maybe. I can't remember the last time a receiver was in the league for three or four years and then broke out. Yeah. He will be he's 27. He'll, yeah. yeah Go ahead. He, he's 27. He'll be 28 in November. Yeah. Right. So it could happen. That's not any disrespect to Byron Pringle. That's just very hard to do. Because generally speaking, you know, you're at your peak athletically around 25, 26. You've been in the league a few years. Like, you, more should be there if you've got maybe that that extra boost to put you over the top. And he might just be a little too limited. So with Powell, he might have a similar skill set. But if he can have that skill set plus one, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To where, no, he can't stretch the field. But they've got guys who can stretch the field. Like, you don't, you know, with Powell, it's like, well, he might not be a legitimate deep threat. Well, he's sharing the field with McCall Hardman and Tyreek Hill. And and regardless of anything else people might say about Hardman, no one doubts that he's a terrifying deep threat because the minute teams ignore him, you end up with like those 70-yard touchdowns against the Ravens. You know what I mean? And so you've got guys for that. You need a guy for the other stuff. And Sammy was that guy when he was healthy. Last year, not so much, even when he wasn't out. He just, he didn't quite have that same oomph as it were, whether he was hurt or whether he's just lost a step, whatever. So that's, it's an interesting pick. It's an interesting type of player, and it could work out really, really nicely in terms of being very need-specific if he's got it, even if he doesn't have the rest of those skill sets. But if he can just create a little separation, that would be huge, and that could get him on the field quickly. 
Um, you mentioned two names that correlate in my mind, so I'll give you this in terms of Sammy Watkins kind of like winding down and what Byron Pringle's going to look like this year. Byron Pringle is a few months younger than Sammy Watkins. Yep. Few months. Crazy. Unbelievable. Just totally bonkers. Totally nonsense. Like, pe- people need to remember that Sammy Watkins is literally a draft Hall of Famer. I mean, when he came yeah. out, whew, he was everything, yep. y'all. Everything. And super young. And Pringle yep. stayed in college for a while, for obvious reasons. So, yeah. Uh, let's get to the last pick. In fact, you know what, Seth? I'm going to break the I'm gonna break the formula here. I'm going to go to you first. The Chiefs took Trey Smith in, tw- in the uh, the sixth round, picked 226 overall. Lyman out of Tennessee. I was paying attention to him uh, based on the fact that after day two, when he very well could have gone, after day two, he was tweeting like, I'll never forget this or something to that effect. He was like trending at one point of people going, why is Trey Smith falling so far? The reason is because a few years back, he had issues with blood clots and concerns with his lungs. Um, But now a couple of times, both whoever it was that spoke to us after the pick um, on on Saturday and then also Brett Veach earlier today here on, on Monday talked about how he's been good to go for a while. Trey Smith said he hasn't had any issues since 2018. Uh, it was Tim Terry and Pat Sperduto that were talking yeah. about him after the pick. Uh, director, pro player, uh, director of Pro Personnel and Area Scout, Terry and Sperduto, respectively there. Um, so it sounds like the Chiefs feel pretty good about his medicals. Veach also said today something I thought was very interesting, which is that the Chiefs are uh, maybe one of the more conservative front offices in terms of taking players with medical concerns, and they were still down to take the shot there on Trey Smith. Right. So now that he's on the team, Seth, how excited are you? If I, if this is the podcast of noises, if I had the ability to make the DMX growl, <laughs> when I think of Trey Smith, I you would. You got to try. You have to try nope. legally. You, I, you I'm, I'm going to let Nate take that one. No, no, you got to I... <laughs> Shout out to DMX. Rest in peace. <laughs> Do it. Pay your respects. <laughs> Pay your respects, Seth. Try it. Give it a shot. <laughs> <sighs> nope, can't do it. <laughs> that, was, nope. that was, you know, we'll take it. We'll take no it. one, no one, we'll but no it. one but X could do that. Um, he is so mean, Trey <laughs> Smith. Like, he's so mean. It's like when I watched Tevin Jenkins. Very similar attitude. He, he when he when he ends up when someone's on the ground. I mean, he just dives at them. And it's and like, sometimes there's like a push up, basically using their chest yeah, as the. It's, it's really not cool. <laughs> it's really like the the way that I framed it. I was watching. I don't remember which game it was. I think it was maybe South Carolina, and that entire defensive line wanted to fight him after like yes. the first quarter, but only after the snaps. I've noticed, like only after yeah. like the play was over. During the play, they were not wanting the smoke as much. Like, yeah. like some of them were. I mean, they were game. They got a big physical line. But he, and you know, he's not a perfect prospect. I think even with without health concerns, I think he would have been like a second or third rounder. But part of that's just the position he plays. Yeah. But he, I mean, he is. He's a he's a departure from what you would expect Andy Reid uh, and Andy Heck to be interested in on their offensive line because he's got decent feet. And he can move a little bit. Um, like he's not a plotter. But he's not an incredible athlete, um, and he like like a Creed Humphrey, and he's much more of a mauler is how he plays, and it just feels like a bit of a departure from what they normally do. And I'm totally here for it because sometimes I think you can get too caught up in guys that can move really well, but maybe don't have quite that same ability to provide push, yes. and I think that can hurt you at times. Now I know it's hard to find guys who can do both. I get that, but that that's tough when you need a yard and can't really get it. And so I like him a lot, 
it's it, it, it's again the whole six round phenomenon, right? This is the well, he looks great now, but he's not in no way guaranteed a spot. Uh, but I would be surprised if he didn't make the team. Here's the thing, Seth. Sixth round, that's where the Chiefs make their guard money. Yeah, I'm going back to 2014, but I'm I'm doing this to uh, fulfill my own priors. Zach Fulton, <laughs> sixth round guard out of Tennessee back in 2014. It's yeah. just Zach Fulton all over again, except for he might. this guy might actually be a better player. He might be just better. Just with medical concerns. LDT went in the sixth round of that year. Do not talk to me about uh, Khalil McKenzie going in the sixth round in 2018. 2018 doesn't count. Nick Allegretti in the seventh? That's all right. He made the team. He played in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, that's true. That's where they take guards. Um, so here, so we, we've explained how, uh, Joshua Kando could go either way. He sure can do. I feel <laughs> my belief right now is the, the percentages are in Trey's favor. Um, yeah. as long as he is medically okay and, uh, Josh, you, you heard as well, Veach alluded to the fact that, you know. Uh, you're trying to figure out the right medication formula for the blood clot situation. So if you, you know, as you get wiser and as you understand what your body needs and if you're still able to play, again, similar with Kando, you hope you got 20 legitimate games to get you ready for the next season. Um, because if you look at the guard situation outside of Tooney, um, who knows? With Kyle Long, with, you know, Allegretti may still be on the roster, but, you know, LDT's on a one-year deal essentially as well. Um, mm-hmm. Could you take those 20 games to really work on his technique while still yes. enriching the SOB that he is <laughs> and then just roll that out in 2022? Man, it just – it like I'm – Again, these are competent picks at the right time mm-hmm. to take advantage of what other teams may have missed. So I, I, I feel like this is a great selection because he was so touted, he was so highly touted recruited, but he also gave the production that Kando didn't, mm. which is yep. why I have more confidence that if you just polish him up a little bit while still allowing him to do push-offs off a deuce chest, <laughs> he's going to be a legitimate player in this league. And hopefully two two years from now, hopefully you'd be like, man, they got him in the sixth round. Like, what mm-hmm. were they thinking, you know? <clears throat> let, let me give you my favorite little offensive line stat, and I know we got to wrap up here. But here's, here's my stat to leave you with today. Creed Humphrey, Austin Blythe, Kyle Long, LDT, Lucas Niang, Mike Rimmers, Nick Allegretti, Andrew Wiley, Trey Smith. Whew. Of the guys who played last year, which obviously doesn't include the rookies, the guys wrapped it out, Kyle Long, right? Of, yep. the, guy, of the guys who played last year, all of them played significant, significant snaps. Two of those guys, Nick Allegretti and Andrew Wiley, who played in the Super Bowl, started in the Super Bowl last year, are at this point not fighting for a starting spot. They're fighting for a roster spot. Correct. Yep. Andrew Wiley was this team's starting right tackle in the Super Bowl last year, which is partially to, to show how poorly that was all going depth-wise. But not only did the Chiefs get better at, at the top across their offensive line, 
they somehow got even deeper, even as we talked about really last year, they did all they could to have that line be really, really deep. It just, they had terrible luck. Yep. And also some of those dudes were older and maybe maybe you want to go younger to try to balance out the chance of injury and everything. But holy smokes, this offensive line is totally different, more talented and more deep uh, at Every position, maybe left tackle is not deep, but it's got Orlando Brown Jr. Every other position is there's literally a second, arguably starting offensive line behind them. So here, here's a here's a here's a slight, I won't say bold prediction, but here's a prediction that makes a lot of sense to me just as I look at it right now, Josh. Um, training camp last week, couple preseason games have been played. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs could trade. Andrew Wiley, yeah, um, and mm-hmm. see fit that they have value based on what they've seen out of a couple preseason games. Yep. Now uh, they traded Parker Ing. I can never get his name right. Parker Inger, baby. They traded Parker, Parker Inger. Inger in the twenty at the at the tail end of the twenty eighteen preseason for um, who who did they trade for? Josh, that'd be Charvarius Ward, who worked out pretty well. So all of this is to say you could call. Another team who may have had an injury at a guard position, who maybe needs more competition, doesn't like what they have right now, or just feels like they need more depth. Depth. Um, the Chiefs could be in a position where, uh, for a player that they know is an NFL player, buying like again, Andrew Wiley caught a lot of heat. That dude's an NFL player, kids. Um, mm-hmm. You may you. It just seems like a understandable trade situation for all parties involved. Is, is all yeah. I'm saying it's because. The depth here is insane, as you mentioned, and one of these guys is not going to be on the 53-man roster. And that's, you really, you know, for me with glasses, I really take my glasses off, wipe them up, and be like, oh, yeah, one of these dudes ain't going to make the roster somehow. Yep. Yeah, it's bonkers. Um, we, we've gone a little long for our uh, our post-draft show. I would say that's excusable. I hope you'll forgive us, dear listener. But I'll, I'll tell you this. One, you can go to the Chief of the North newsletter and see everything that Seth's going to have coming out here in the week or so to come because it's going to be a lot of content there. mnchiefsfan.substack.com or bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. Uh, Nate's going to continue <laughs> churning stuff out on The Athletic. Nate, do you know what your next piece is going to be at this point? I do, but I want to save it because Ooh. it's uh, it's complete. It, it's it's unusual to the post draft uh, content that I've done in the past. Okay, well that's exciting. Uh, well, if you, and if you go to, to Nate's author page right now, you can see a story out from this morning, looking at the Chiefs roster in in retrospect. Now after the draft, there's also been some some full um, sort of staff stuff from the Athletic. You wrote about everything they did uh, early in the draft class. There's just all sorts of stuff there. You go, Just go read everything that Nate's done. Seth's going to have all sorts of stuff as well. Um, and I'm probably going to talk to both of you guys on the radio over on Almost Entirely Sports sometime this week. So we're going to, we were all making content in all sorts of places. And I imagine we'll be back here relatively soon because I think there's going to be a couple of veterans that end up getting added at some point. And maybe we even do like a little draft mailbag of some sort because I know there's stuff we haven't answered about these picks yes. that people are going to want to ask about. So all of that on the horizon somewhere in the near future here on uh, on Time's Ours. Future? What was that word I was trying to say? <laughs> Impossible. Future. Future. Thanks for being here in the future of this of your favorite cheese podcast. Uh, if you also, by the way, have enjoyed this podcast, tell somebody else about it who might not know about it. Maybe they're not on Twitter. Maybe they're not deep into the podcast game. Tell them about Time's Ours. Feels like this episode is probably a pretty honest one to jump on with. I I got kind of annoyed about the Chiefs' first draft pick. Seth made a bad pun. Nate did some incredible impressions. Like, this is a pretty quintessential episode of Time Czars. 
So tell somebody else about it, and I'll let Nate take us out. Yes, and just remember, I don't care if it's on a Monday or if it's on a Saturday. You stay being that white horse on that sandy beach <laughs> in full glow, okay? You be that white horse. Have a white horse mentality, not the pony at the local fair. <laughs>